This is Flipping Tables, episode 22. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards. And I'm David Lyons. And today we have some especially painful things to talk about. We do. Our, our follow-up is especially painful. So I, I played through my hour of Other M, Met- Metroid <laughs> Other M, which is a Wii game. And I tried really hard going into it to not be colored by everything you'd been saying. I mean, I know it's impossible. <laughs> how many days and weeks I've been telling you how bad the game is. Exactly. So I, I know it's impossible to completely divorce myself from that, but I tried to be open-minded, and uh, I don't think any amount of open-mindedness, <laughs> no amount of Zen meditation or powerful psychoactive drugs were going to make me enjoy this. For one thing, the experience got off to like an immediately bad start, because so the, the we I have is... Um, let's say aftermarket. <laughs> so homebrew. Yes. So I put the disc in and the Wii actually gives you a really friendly error where it literally says this software update may remove any unauthorized software from your Wii. <laughs> Hold down the power button if you don't want to deal with that. So fortunately I also have your old Wii. So then I had to do like this little cable swap then after I got the game started, I realized that the Wiimote batteries were dead. So then, <laughs> then I spent like five minutes around my house trying to find AA batteries because yeah. nothing I have uses AA everything has built-in batteries now. Exactly. Um, in fact, my phone doesn't even have a user-removable battery, so it's like... I have no AA batteries. I had to cannibalize one of my daughter's toys <laughs> to get <laughs> batteries up for this. So I finally, like 10 minutes in, I get to the gameplay. Sponsor of the show, Emily. (laughs) Thank you. So 10 minutes in, I get the game on. But now there's this huge lead-in. Like, I kind of... Super Metroid is the only Metroid I consistently go back to. So I was taking for granted that when I turned the game on, I'd start playing the game. There's actually this, like, massive... Like, there's this cinematic retelling. Like, what of, is this, a JRPG? <laughs> but it's worse than that, because it's this long, dry, slow, poorly voice acted. <laughs> like, they show you the ending of Super Metroid, because it picks up, like, right there. Yeah. It's like, it's a direct continuation, which is kind of cool. So there's like Which could be cool. Yeah. So that, that one element has continuity, which was nice, but... They also kept shooting into the first-person view. So it's like you see Samus doing something, and then it's like... And you're in the first-person view inside the helmet, which I knew was a bad precursor for how jarring that transition was going to be in gameplay. So, okay, so you go through all the bullshit, and there's story, and then she has a voice, and there's this just constant droning narration, which at first I was like, okay, you know, it's... They can give her a voice now, so they wanted to, like, do that. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, well, now I'm really aware that I'm not Samus Aran. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm being told a story by Samus Aran, but... Yeah, I- that's why it's okay in Terminator 2 when Linda Hamilton is droning, because she's yeah. actually in a nightmarish world, or about to be in one. Well, and you know, like, you're watching, like, I'm... You're not Linda yeah, Hamilton's character. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm the the god camera floating around watching these events unfold. But in a video game, it's like, I'm this character. 
I mean, I distinctly remember in old JRPGs, like, which... I could tell you from each Final Fantasy which character was always in a certain position in my party, because, like, that was me. Like, I'm that <laughs> character. Final Fantasy VI, it was Edgar, because I liked his tools. So did you like in Chrono Trigger that Chrono never says anything? I don't require a silent protagonist, but in in other M she is speaking in a way like she's sitting there telling you a story so not only am i not living through the character but she apparently survives because she's telling me everything after the fact <laughs> like i know she doesn't die at the end of the story it's a dark and stormy night <laughs> yeah it's everything was like oh you know adam i'm not going to lie he was a father figure to me it's like <laughs> no i got it i i okay i see that and then they showed they I they must have spent ten real Earth minutes on the thumbs down. It's like it shows her like she keeps like punching her fist out and doing the thumbs down like all the other guys in the squad. Which what kind of super futuristic society has only men in their military? Like yeah. we already have world militaries that have women in high ranking positions. Like so they were like, oh, they treated me differently because I was a woman. And it's like, <laughs> really? So we've mastered all of these? They really like- kind of trivialize her female bo- bounty hunter independence by making it so dependent on... Yeah, it's entirely <laughs> dependent on the fact that she's a woman. They Even when she wakes up in the beginning in like the hospital facility thing, um, they make it very obvious that she's like just been in her coma in her zero suit like she's not like a hospital gown (laughs) like why is she in this freaking skin tight cat suit it's not like post fusion where there's actually a story explanation for how she's been infected right the suit is now part of her yeah it's the like the venom (laughs) symbiote but yeah so there's that then during the little training stupid startup mission thing to teach you the controls which I understand like they have to teach you the controls they could do it through gameplay but why not yeah they could do it seamlessly (laughs) in the game world like Mega Man X or they can hold your hand Yeah, and not only do they hold your hand but the guy is like so incredibly patronizing to you also and you know the Metroid universe way better than I do but where the hell is she like she's a freelance bounty hunter. Why is she at this like facility where they obviously have equipment designed for training her? Yeah. I mean the guy is ultra familiar with like her morph ball and her missiles. You know it's like supposedly sort of one of a kind Chozo power suit. Like, yeah. But <laughs> ancient race made it for her. Yeah. So what? What do they ever touch on that? Like, does she work for them? Who the hell are those people? They certainly don't, don't explain it in the opening. Uh, they they kind of just decide to go with it. <laughs> it's like they took another game and put Samus in it. Yeah, it did kind of have that feeling. Oh, so this was something that at first I was like, oh, okay, that that's kind of convenient. And then after another five or ten minutes of it, I was like, no, this is the worst kind of hand-holding. So <laughs> when you're walking, because you can move in 360 degrees, but you don't. Because it's so awkward, you kind of move like on an X, Y. You can move in eight directions because it's only a plus pad, right? Well, if you do the roll, you can run in a circle. So, yeah, it's kind (laughs) of... In an octagon. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. But so when you shoot, you automatically point in the direction. Yeah, to handle Z and X, Y targeting. Which, or, well, I guess like Y targeting, but... 
the thing that's awkward about it is if they're anywhere in front of you, so in like this 180 degree semicircle in front of you, you will hit them. Absolutely. So there's really no challenge at all to shooting, which means then when you fight bosses and things, they immediately rely on the stupid first person point the Wiimote at the screen so you can launch missiles mechanic. It's either that or I'm not weak yet. Wait till I open up my eye (laughs) slash whatever. My my glowy weak spot. Yeah. Uh, Why did I reveal my glowy weak spot? (laughs) So yeah, I mean it just I could go on and on about every little stupid thing, but I mean it's it's exactly as clunky in game mechanics and sexist and childish in storytelling as you had described. <laughs> it, it is it's so disappointing. It is really disappointing. And the thing, I mean, you said it and and I'll describe it and anyone who hasn't played this game, I recommend you take just an hour to play the first hour of this game just so you can see how brutal some game designers still treat women in storytelling every single line of dialogue in the first hour and i suspect throughout the rest of the game is about her being a woman it's either that she was treated differently in the military or that she has like mom issues where she has like this motherly instinct toward the Metroid and she's like super sad that the Metroid was destroyed by Mother Brain and she's never gonna get to hold this. She literally mm-hmm. says, like, I would never see the baby again. Never like the Metroid. It's always the baby. Yeah. It's just, uh, just the, uh. And like the <laughs> It just doesn't jive, like, there's not much story in Super Metroid, because it's all atmosphere, which is great, mm-hmm. but they, the little bit that they spend of her talking about the Metroid hatchling at the end of Metroid 2, which is, right. ends up being part of Super Metroid, spoiler alert if you didn't play it in the last 20 years, <laughs> yes, exactly. but um, she's basically like, we want to study the Metroids, they have amazing energy powers, so we want to see if we can solve energy crises in pl- different planets by like it's basically like for science right it's not like i just have an irrational emotional attachment yeah because women are motherhood oriented only right they only. don't do anything else no nope. even in the distant future they have no other feelings or desires or instincts <laughs> they're just potential mothers well and there's also I mean, like I said about her following orders from Adam and and the weird, like, father-military dynamic is I get that she was in the military at one point and that's where she, like, got some of her training and and made some of her contacts and all like that. But she's a bounty hunter. You don't break out of the military and choose the life of being a freelance bounty hunter because you're like you crave structure well i guess it's it's more of the sexist like she needs men to give her purpose or something oh you know it's it's definitely what it is it's like you you only became a bounty hunter because you're rebelling against that but really you're gonna come back baby (laughs) you need me Uh, you'll be back (laughs) you'll go you'll get this out of your system and then you'll come crawling back to the military which is another thing in the first hour that Talk about the Federation military. Again, maybe this is established somewhere in the Metroid universe, but they talk about the Federation military as if I should know who those people are. And they spend a lot of of the first hour is her narrating. It's like, so either assume that I know who these people are and then don't talk about them awkwardly 
or talk about them and explain it to me like I'm an idiot, which they sure as hell didn't have any problem doing with the controls. Which they do talk about uh, the Federation in the second and third Metroid Prime games. I'm looking at the timeline to try to see... Oh, is there a big crazy? I guess Nintendo those tec- those technically do come out before Super Metroid in the chronology. So oh, okay. the Federation does exist in the universe, but even I don't know, like the second and third first person shooter Metroids, which they're all three are great if you have time yeah. to actually put in time to a good <laughs> game. A good Metroid. The the Metroid Prime, especially the first one, but all three are good. Um there is Federation. There's other people in the second and third one. The first one's a great lonely experience, like it should be. Um, <laughs> but they aren't imposing. They don't stop and pull the camera back, and, watch, and you have to watch a conversation for an hour. Like <laughs> after certain scenes, that you're basically alone anyway. Again, it's like they Good. all get killed off, or <laughs> which. That was, so there was another quirky thing. Is I could tell. Like, you go in, you see the military guys, they have, you know, 45 years of stupid story, and then they're like, the of course, the quirky black guy who relates to you, because he's also a minority, so of course, <laughs> the woman minority and the ethnic minority, they're able to get along. He's like, I'm gonna go on ahead, and he's like Barrett from Final Fantasy VII <laughs> voice. And, like, they, the the squad of, like, eight or nine guys, like, runs off. Now, this is a highly trained military unit that's in an unknown place that is filled with, mon- like, horrible, terrifying space monsters. And the second the door closes, they're gone. Like, they just magically teleport to further into the facility. Because everywhere you run as Samus, you're running at a full sprint. And she's quick because she's wearing, like, super armor that augments her abilities. Yeah. And yet, by the time you get to the room they're in, they're all, like, just totally chilling. Like, oh, yeah, we've been hanging out in this room for a while trying to figure out what's going on. It's like, how did you get here so fast? You obviously don't need me. You obviously have, like, all kinds of freaking superpowers. So I'm just going to go. I think the other thing that drove me nuts in that game is the best part of Metroid is dangling something in front of your face that you can't have until later. Yeah. That makes you want to come back. You're just like, oh, there's an energy tank over there, and there's like, I, I can't can jump it. over this yet. There's probably some cool stuff beyond yeah. up there. And, the, the bricks are slightly different colors, so I need something that'll blow them up. Another M is more like, well, I ran down a couple of corridors and there was nothing. Yep. And then I came back, and I guess I wasn't supposed to go that way yet. Yeah. Fun. <laughs> we. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I like JRPGs. I mean, I played through Kingdom Hearts and pretty much all the Final Fantasies and Xenogears back in the day. I mean, that, like, I don't have any problem. But not Xenosaga. Nah, just... Uh, Seven hour. Yeah, movies. I played through most of Xenosaga. It's just long, man. It's a long game. I couldn't handle the movies in between the gameplay. Yes, but this is the thing. Generally, I am actually pretty okay with that. But when it's, like, thematically appropriate and expected. Just like, I like romantic comedies, but I also like action movies. But if I'm watching an action horror thriller, and it has a romantic comedy, like, crammed into parts of it, like, that would feel awkward. And that's what this game Unless is. Unless it's Shaun of the Dead. Because <laughs> that's a romantic comedy with zombies. <laughs> but, again, but that's, like, that's the uh, exception, not the basis for all of the exceptions. Right? Yeah. 
it's, it's just it's just it's clunky and sexist and childish and terrible. I mean, it's a Team Ninja game. Like it's a Team Ninja game. Sorry, Team Ninja guys. Like I know your games usually sell pretty well, but you need to. Well, and they've got a new Wii U exclusive game coming out that is totally. It's even worse than. Like we For were the talking about at before, home, I raised my eyebrows. Before we started recording, <laughs> we, we we were talking about Ninja Gaiden being a. <laughs> Yeah, the female characters are ridiculous, and it's clearly some kind of stupid male fantasy. But the game itself is still good. Ninja Gaiden is a good game. fun to play. Not Um, a good commentary on society, (laughs) but a fun to play game. Weird storyline about demons and stuff. But um, they've got a new one that's like Dude Bro Gun Sword plus racism plus sexism. Ooh. So there's a new the angle. Double. <laughs> yeah. Are they going for the triple crown? Maybe are they also going to bash on like homosexuals at some point in the game? Uh, I bet. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if the characters in this game. I'll, I'll get a link to the trailer, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited to watch this later myself. I'm going to have to look at our own show notes. I'm excited. But yeah, so it's it's I I don't recommend this to anybody unless you want to see what makes a really terrible game and really bad thematic elements and. I'm, Whenever anybody critiques anything like at this super granular level, there's always someone who eventually says like, "Well, you couldn't do any better." And my response to that is like, "Yeah, but I'm not a game designer, so it's still comment on things without being able to do it." That's exactly true, but also I'm aware of the fact that I couldn't write and make a better game. So you know what I don't do for a living? Write and make video games. And if I ever start, I will try really hard to not fall into these ridiculous traps. So the the new Team Ninja game is called Devil's Third. And, uh, was this an E3? Yeah, release? it was an E3. Yeah, I I will have to check this out in the show notes. Everyone should check this out in the show notes later. But yeah, it's um I I would honestly say the there isn't a single blow that kills. So this is my my final word, Mori Povich style. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't like a fire, was that Jerry Springer? I don't know. This isn't one single death blow like the childish storytelling is childish but if the gameplay was awesome i would be like all right so i just gotta like zone out during the cutscenes and then play the game but the gameplay is also kind of crappy the theming in the universe is also kind of crappy so it's just like everything just feels like c minus d plus it's like uh... it's not quite zelda cdi game bad (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it's not. But that it's bad. kind of embarrassing in a series that is otherwise mostly flawless. Yes. Yeah, I mean it's it's I guess that's a big part of it is you sit down to a Metroid game and you're like, "Oh, Metroid game." Especially because the the 2D Metroids are all pretty highly regarded and then the Metroid Prime games, which were the first four into 3D, were pretty highly regarded yeah so then you think like oh they've already nailed this universe because this is like the ninth game in the series and they've already nailed the 3d transition so this how can they screw this up it's like whoa whoa we got a lot of ways to screw this up (laughs) let let us count the ways it's like you 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 love avatar the cartoon series and then you got the last airbender movie oh man yep ender's game but (laughs) Don't bring that back up. <laughs> so Open yeah, that, so, so that was my my sixty minute. I, to be perfectly honest, it was more like fifty six minutes because <laughs> it was in the middle of some cutscene, and then it was like, 
you know, woman who I command, now go do this other stupid fetch task. And I was like, I looked at the clock and I was like, ah, no. So that was it. And then I came in here and threw it at you angrily. (laughs) So I think that was was interesting. Well, it's an open invitation. I have a copy of Metroid Other M. (laughs) If someone will pay shipping, I will send it to you. (laughs) For your not enjoyment. But so that was, I kind of that's an interesting way to do follow up. I think like send one of us off on some god awful errand and then report yeah. back. It's like a fetch quest. Why well, do you have quest. a mission you want to give me? I'm gonna think about it now. But if I come up with something good, I'm gonna send you off on a task. Great. <laughs> you started it. So I think I wanted to talk about like the 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 trinity of the Microsoft, Apple, Google, and specifically their their like methods like their company cultures and how they're doing things so we were talking about this a little bit the other night and then just this morning i saw a headline that said something like microsoft prepares for massive layoffs maybe as early as this week and when they say massive layoffs they mean like five thousand people yeah so that's a lot of people that's a lot of people (laughs) and i'm trying to think those people can't be all engineers, right? Like there'd have to be like some salespeople and some secretaries and, you know, the, but it could be all engineers. It could be like, you know what? SharePoint goodbye or sure. Oh man. (laughs) Sorry. I can dream in our dream world. Um, but so let's say that the average salary of these people, assuming they're not all highly paid engineers is like between 70 and a hundred grand. Like, that, that's close to, like, what, $50 million in, or, no, $500 million in, in savings, just in salary? Yeah. Yeah, four or five hundred yeah. million. That, I mean, that's huge. And then, you know, benefits and other crap like that, but it's like, that's legitimate cost savings. What is savings. half a billion, that's a lot of money. What is their revenue, actually? Oh, it's not a lot of money to them. I mean, it's a lot of money to us. But that it makes me wonder: like, is it? Are they focusing on their new? So Satya Nadella, the new CEO after Steve Ballmer, has been like devices and services, devices and services. We're devices and services company. And then last week he had this like company wide memo that either got leaked or they made it public, and. He didn't really talk so much about devices and he services. He kind of got away from it. Like, devices and services isn't going to do it for us. Yeah. Um, so after that, I don't know if this is related to the layoff rumors, but there was some interesting commentary I've seen on his letter because immediately everyone wanted to pick it apart and write their own version of what he really said. Oh, yeah. No, and, if it wasn't for companies talking about what they do, there wouldn't be any business for us. <laughs> right. Um, and I think a lot of people's general sense was, he wrote so much in that letter and said so little with it <laughs> that it's... So this one guy compared it to, like, tortured statements from politicians or coworkers or spouses or, or people that have some bad news looming and they kind of have to say a lot to not spoil the bad news that's coming. <laughs> it's like, you know, we're going to do lots of hard things in all these different categories, and, <laughs> you know, later it's coming. It's like, just kidding, I'm doing it. See ya. <laughs> yeah. Also, you're all fired. <laughs> that's sort of like he, he's saying all the facts, but not the actual important salient message of, 
and we're cutting these divisions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it kind of felt like, because I read a lot of it, not all of it, because I'm not insane. <laughs> but it, oh my God, that's a lot. <laughs> it's 3,200 words. This is a me- memo, is what they call it. But it's it feels kind of like um, the like an awkward breakup, or like the phone call that just won't end where you're like well you gotta get going and then the person on the other line is yeah so i said to tim when i ran into him the other day (laughs) it's like oh yeah no i I, uh, i'm actually on my way to meet tim now but i so i I really gotta get going like yeah so when i ran into i'm going to hang up (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's how it felt and then at the last second it's like plus everyone's fired (laughs) so i mean and i mean he didn't say that in the memo but the, the they announced this before balmer left so, I mean, the employees are very aware that sometime before their earnings call or around the earnings call, going to be massive layoffs. Yeah. So, if you know that's coming, and then your boss comes in, and he's like, pep talk, pep talk, pep talk, pep talk. Great things. Innovation. Yeah. It's like new future, new directions. It's You're like, like, oh, shit. I can't wait what to- <laughs> is going to happen? I can't wait to find out if I'm a part of this new company he's so excited about. Yeah. So... So let's, okay, you know, people unfortunately getting fired aside, based on, like, some of the things we've seen recently with Microsoft, like the the shift in services to other platforms like Android and iOS, uh, the, the pretty top-notch design on the Surface Pro 3, which, to be fair, didn't really have anything to do with Nadella, because, I mean, it, yeah. product development takes a long time. I mean, like, some of these things we've been seeing, do you think... They're moving in a good direction, or are they just totally borked? <laughs> well, it remains to be seen if they make some huge shifts. Uh, I think, re- if I mean, everyone's trying to read between the lines, all 3,200 lines, <laughs> or, or whatever, 3,200 words. Yeah, however many but, lines. Um, I think the, the message that I get is Microsoft is, realizes we lost mobile. We we yeah. are not going to be a third pillar. Nope. Maybe in small markets we have some like in Europe they've made a few inroads in certain countries, but and, and you know that's mostly because of they hate Google. Well, they hate Google. And they don't want to buy Apple, and they're just like the hardware. Like uh, Nokia is a really or Nokia. I've heard. I've uh, just Nokia. Is yeah. how I hear everyone say it. Yeah, but it's but it, it's a brand that there are parts of the world that have a really strong attachment to. Just like in Japan and and South Korea, they have like Samsung everything because they're just like, oh, that's like a brand that I'm super comfortable with. And Nokia does make really good hardware, but. <laughs> Nobody makes hardware so good that it's worth. Well, it's no longer good enough to just make good hardware. Nope. Like pre-smartphone era and even a good chunk of the smartphone era, you could make a dent by just like, look at how sexy this phone is. <laughs> but no one cares how cool your Motorola Razor is. It doesn't I, have I an ecosystem. <laughs> it like the ecosystem and everything that extends it is now so crucial to your play in the market. Well, and I saw um, there because there's been rumors for a long time about Microsoft putting Android apps onto Windows. And now, let me say, I've used Windows Phone eight very little, but it's like it's fine. Like the the platform is fine. But it seems like a great OS. Not good enough. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> not exactly. You have to have more than just amazing OS and hardware. Yeah, like there there's a handful of apps that I use, but I I need them. 
Like that's my phone is a gateway to those few things that I do every day. Well, it's hard too because you, an ecosystem is the one thing you can't just unveil overnight. Nope. You have to build it, and yeah. it takes time. Yeah, those are the pyramids, and not when, the plan to build. The and pyramids. when you're this far behind, you can't even build it in a way that's exciting, like early iPhone and Android marketplace. Yeah, because they've never been everyone's just enthusiastically in the gold rush of embracing your platform. Now exactly. everyone's like bored of that. Yeah. And it's like you you have to basically buy your way in. You have to pay develop you have to start doing things like pay developers to incentivize them. Yep. Well so that, yeah that, that's exactly um what I was talking about is they there's been these rumors because they did actually release an Android phone. There, which is a whole thing in, in unto itself, and they're going to release another one supposedly that was like already in the works. Well, and I wonder if that first Android phone that Nokia came out with since the Windows Phone yeah, takeover the, of the them, X. Um, I, I, wasn't that maybe it wasn't that phone, but wasn't that in development for quite a while and was probably like before Nokia got acquired, they were going to make Android phones. Yeah, exactly. Like they're finally giving up on Symbian. Yeah, so Microsoft was just like, yeah, we'll just go ahead and release it. It's fine. But so there's been these rumors about letting having like a VM that runs Android apps on Windows Phone, and a lot of people are saying like, oh, that would be like this ridiculous capitulation. They should never allow that because it would prove like their ecosystem sucks and nobody wants to develop for their platform. What more proof do you need that their ecosystem is lacking? Yeah, but part of me is like, well, you can kind of trick people onto your platform by being like hey we can run all your stupid apps that you have over there in stupid land and when you come over to our side of the fence you can use all of our cool windows mobile phone 8 whatever stuff so there's some i mean i i get it would definitely be a big white flag well and would it i don't know how the the google play licensing works would they be able to put google play apps or just android AOSP compatible. Ooh. Cause then uh, probably not Google Play services. No, I mean, that's not a big deal for apps that don't use Google's APIs, but if you use their Play services APIs... Yeah, if you make a single that's, API that's call... That's the, the glue services. that keeps you on Google's official platform. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that would actually trim down the store It'd be sort of like a- the Amazon App Store. Yeah. Uh-huh. Even Amazon hasn't... I mean... The Kindle, as far as I know, the Kindles are very successful. But yes. as far as an an app ecosystem, no one thinks the Android, the Amazon Android app store is comparable to Play or no, because it's iTunes. Ju- it's just not from a developer standpoint. It's not from a customer standpoint. It's like certainly Amazon's not. good at like good content, like movie movies. Excuse me, <laughs> <laughs> movies. <laughs> So they're good at getting like the big, like they got HBO shows and and stuff like that. But yeah, like no, in terms they are of, a content delivery platform. Yeah, but and that's sort of it seems like how they view apps. But so so then to wrap up the Microsoft part of it, what do you think is the right path for them? Like, should they try and compete in these consumer markets where they're facing off against like Google and Apple? Should they become like a services company where they're more like Amazon and like, hey, if you want to use Office, we work everywhere. Well, here's what I think. This may say more about me than my actual insight into Microsoft, (laughs) but I think they do have to focus on the consumer more. Uh, Everything I read and hear from Microsoft just sounds corporate-y, sounds... Enterprise. Other than Xbox, 
Yeah. Which they, they've done really great with Xbox. Distinctly not Enterprise. And even though everyone's hating on the Xbox One compared to the PS4, it's really, it's doing fine. Oh, yeah. They're re-releasing Halo. It's going to sell like crazy this Christmas. Yep. So Xbox is still strong. They don't have a lot of other stuff that they do well in the consumer market. Well, there was the Zune. That didn't do well. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so I, f- I feel like they... <laughs> I mean, they can retreat, they can pull an IBM and try to retreat into some kind of business intelligence and infrastructure and back-end and kind of recede from the front lines, but I'd like to see another big player actually doing good stuff in the consumer, so it's not just Google and Apple. Yeah. See, I think that's probably the the linchpin point for me is... I actually think business-wise, it probably makes the most sense for them to just be like, you know what, screw you guys, we're IBM now, we're going to go make a billion dollars doing research computing, and y'all can suck it. But I, I agree with you That's that we need... a smaller future than... Well, and we need competition in the market. We really do. And the consumer market is only growing as... You know, Google talks about like the next billion people getting online, and Facebook talks about the next billion people getting online, and those people are going to need devices to connect to the internet with, and those devices yeah. are going to have to run software. So, I mean, the consumer market is only growing. And even more so than that, as we're adding other people to the consumer market, it's becoming increasingly common for us existing consumers to have multiple devices. So, like, I have an Android phone, and I have an Apple laptop, and I have a server at home that runs Ubuntu. I don't have any Windows computers. Yeah. And I have no interest in getting one. Yeah. And even some of the best reasons for a consumer are like, well, you want to build a gaming PC. Well, how much time as an adult gamer do you have? Yeah. You're probably going to just get a console or a portable or just use your smartphone. Well, I've been finding that, like, I've been getting a lot of Humble Bundles. I kind of have, like, a problem where I'm like, <laughs> oh, there's one game in this Humble Bundle I want. I should probably buy it. Because um, it's a great way to get games. It's awesome. Money goes to charity. You should do it. But a lot of those games, the vast majority of the games that I've bought through the Humble Bundle work on Mac. Yeah, that used to be the big problem is nothing was ever on Mac. Yeah. Except for Blizzard games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but there, there's like a, a couple games in my library that are Windows only, and that's fine. But I mean, I'm talking like over 90%. So... It's like even if you are a PC gamer master race, it's like you well, it can is one really of those things. By. Like even though Windows has the huge, overwhelming majority of the desktop OS market, true. There, there's the the weird other facts like people that have Macs tend to be willing to spend money on software. Yeah. Yeah, so that can make, weird... even though it, proportionally the Mac OS is way smaller in the market of potential customers maybe it's not so bad well and i also assume that anyone who has a five thousand dollar gaming rig probably also owns a ps4 or an xbox or wii u or all of them and there's a limited amount of money they can put into the market so if you have a five thousand dollar gaming rig and you have a hundred dollars to spend on games you might not buy all PC games, so you're not buying a lot of um, you know Windows only games. If you're buying PlayStation games and Xbox games, then it's still not 
really driving that need for Windows. It's like, yeah, I have a Windows gaming PC, but I'm not buying any software for it. I mean, that's what killed the Wii. It's like everybody went out and bought a Wii, and then nobody bought any software for it. Yeah. So do you think... I think one of Microsoft's biggest problems... Well, it's been one of their biggest successes, but it's becoming a problem because of past success, is the sort of everyone at work uses Windows, and that's still true. vast majority of places are Windows shops. It's just cheap infrastructure to give all your workers. Um, and so they've, they've always sort of enjoyed the fact that because of that, people in workplaces know how Windows works, they use it, oh, yeah. and so no, they, they go they and they buy it for the home. And is that now no longer the direction of... I mean, that's sort of the bring-your-own-device mantra yeah, that, in the modern movement. That's the it, exact argument I've Is heard. that actually backed up by data? But it seems like more and more people are not buying things just because they use it at work. They're buying the thing that they want, an Android tablet, a, mm-hmm. an iPad, whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, I think the shift in device played a big part in it because when you're going out and buying a smartphone or a tablet... First off, there wasn't really a good offering from Microsoft. They were just too early yeah. in the tech. Yeah, the they, tech wasn't there yet. They came too early and now too late. And but, but, I mean, if you, you're a, you're an office drone and you go into your office and you work on your Windows 98 computer and you do your terrible – or Windows XP, I guess – and you do your terrible spreadsheets and then you go out to the store and you buy a smartphone, like there's cool Android phones and there's cool iPhones – and maybe a BlackBerry if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> but, like, you can't say, like, oh, I use Windows at work. Give me the Windows phone because, like, Windows Mobile was terrible. And it was two years late. No, not Windows Phone. Windows Mobile. Oh, the Windows old, Mobile. Yeah, the old yeah. piece of well, garbage. Then it, yeah. Which a lot, I know people who really like Windows Mobile, but it's because it attacked an incredibly specific subset of people that is not the general consumer, which is... Again, fine, if you want to do a niche market thing, but I don't think they do. I think they want to be filthy rich billionaires who <laughs> control everything. Well, and I still think maybe they're changing now, finally, and they're going to cut off all the extra tentacles they don't need. But <laughs> Microsoft just sort of coasted on, yeah, everyone uses at work, and therefore we win outside of work. Yes, it was a very PC-focused. And they c- cannot bet on that anymore. Nope. And then they're getting pinched on both sides. It's because Apple has always been able to handle the market of people with tons of money. Yep. And so they, they're <laughs> they, able to they have that down. <laughs> they're able able to win over people that you know. It's like this thing just works. Scare quotes, whatever. <laughs> however much you believe that that people are willing to pay money for something they perceive to be set up and run automatically and not really fuss a lot. And then on the bottom end, Google finds a way to give stuff away for free. Yep. And so it's like Microsoft wanted to sell software, and now they can't sell it because they're getting undersold by Google, and they can't compete at the high end because yeah, they, they're, they they're, be, their OEMs the are, culture. are B, B players like Dell and HP. Yep. <laughs> I love that Onion article about, like, the Dell. Like, we made computing inexpensive, so now we're shutting the company down. We accomplished our mission. <laughs> that was our goal. Um, okay, so Apple, like... Should Apple just stay the court? I mean, they seem to be making money. They're, like, so filthy rich, it's cartoonish. <laughs> Should they just stay the course, or do then do they run the risk of becoming irrelevant like Microsoft? Well, this seems like a key turning point in Google and Apple's, like, they've both been insanely successful in mobile. 
Google has a way higher market penetration just because they hand the thing out for free. Yep. Apple wants to sell premium, and they've got an insane amount of the profits. So they both got compelling arguments for why they're doing well. But it seems like this year and onward is the turning point of who takes what they got and like takes it to the next level or the next step, whatever that is, extending your ecosystem to something new to take over every other part of our body. So, okay, so here's an interesting comparison. So, and I think we've talked about this before, about like ext- like doing new things, new kinds of hardware, you know, making your platform, do new stuff. Apple does and has historically done the vast majority, if not nearly 100% of their R&D and stuff in private. Like whenever anybody talks about a bigger screen iPhone... The smart person will say, well, of course they have bigger screen iPhones. They probably have 12-inch iPads and, like, 64-inch iMacs and stuff because they're seeing how that stuff works internally, but they're super tight-lipped about it. Whereas Google does a lot – I'm sure – I know it's obviously not everything, but they do a lot in public – Look at Google Glass. They basically said, yeah, we will charge you a ridiculous amount of money to act as R&D for us. Who's in? Mm -hmm. And people just threw money at them. I mean, and Google Glass is cool and all, but, I mean, it's, like, it's a super alpha product. Like, I wouldn't even go so far as call it beta. Like, it's an alpha product. It's an amazing alpha product, but it's an alpha product. But do you think going forward there's – more benefit to kind of living a little bit more in public because Apple doesn't know if they have a winner until it's totally done and they unveil it as a winner. So like, yeah, they don't tell you they were fighting a war until they're already doing like the ticker tape parade. Well, I don't think either model has to be the exclusive model at a company. I think you do things in public when you benefit from it. Well, I, I would think that way. It's like something like Siri. No matter how well you design it in secret, they need. They called it a beta. You need yeah, tons of user data, people using it in all sorts of awful situations. And even though it doesn't get much press, it's gotten a lot better mm-hmm. than when they launched it. Even though I still think Google now is better at voice recognition, but they've also been working on it way longer. Yeah, and so for stuff like that. By all means, do it in public because you need tons of data. And so I think Google has always been amazing because they default to that side. That's true. But there may be some things where you don't really benefit by having your dirty laundry aired all the time <laughs> in public. Because, I mean, everyone always points to the list of like abandoned Google projects. Yep. I'm sure Apple has a list just as big. It's just no one knows about them. Well, so then, yeah, that, that's exactly my point is like with... But with Google, like, I'll continue forgiving them for killing Reader as long as they keep making other stuff awesome, right? Whereas with Apple, because you don't hear about new products from them until they're like, we're backing this as our winning horse, then that makes their failures really stand out. Like, everyone still talks about the Newton. Or the Maps. (laughs) Yeah, or Apple Maps, or the Cube, which was like a... Com- I don't know why that was a commercial failure, but it was. It worked. It's just too expensive if we're underpowered. Yeah. The Lisa. <laughs> you want to talk about expensive and underpowered. <laughs> yeah. um, 
But like those those failures w- can't get drowned out in the sea of successes because there isn't a sea of successes. There's like a couple, like the Mac, the MacBook, the iPod, the iPhone, the iPad. Like that's all they make. Like they're a company of six products. Yeah. Which and I mean it works for them. I'm not decrying it. I'm just saying I don't know how long that strategy can last. Because eventually people are going to be like, you know, they're coming up on a 50-50 ratio of successes to failures. So, I mean, they're riding a lot on that cult of personality. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a really difficult problem. I'm glad their business is not relying on me because I'm like... <laughs> I think... By the way, $159 billion is what they currently have in cash. <laughs> Just if you were curious. I wonder how much of it is just sitting in another country because they don't want to repatriate that money. I want to know how much of it is in gold coins in a Scrooge McDuck-style <laughs> vault that Tim Cook sleeps on. I Hopefully some. I yeah. mean, what's the point of having that much money if you don't have a Scrooge McDuck vault? Yeah, maybe that much money gets to, like, evil villains levels. But, I mean, people always, like, why are you sitting on that money? Like, it's burning a hole in their pocket, but... At the basic level, having money just means you can you have agency, you can move, you can yeah. you have the ability to shift quickly and do something. And just doing just sending it back to shareholders might make them happy well, in the short run. But I mean, don't you have to think they've gotten Apple has gotten to a point where they have so much money that it's like what could you possibly do with that much money? That would also be, yeah. (laughs) But that would also be a bet worthy of that much money. I mean, like I heard someone joke about them just buying the Walt Disney Corporation because they could in cash. Like they could go and write a check. Oh man, I don't want to see Apple own content. No, I don't either. It'd be like Sony where they cripple their devices. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, that's the kind... I mean, the Walt Disney Corporation, there are five media companies that control basically all the media in America and most of the world. Walt Disney Corporation is one of them. So to say you could buy them in cash, but it's like... So, I mean, they can't... They're not going to go buy a massive server farm and try and compete with Amazon or Google. I think the what Apple is good at, maybe to a fault, is focus. And yeah, so... Focus. <laughs> um, they can use money like that to do big plays. It seems like Tim Cook's whole thing is the the, the manufacturing pipeline, the whole stack yeah. of supplier relations. That yeah, isn't that so, where he came from? That yeah, like that's thing. that's how he rose in Apple, and I don't know what he did before Apple, but like just being able to negotiate deals. You know, like there's a new technology for screens. We're gonna buy up the entire supply. Right. So, yeah, other people can try to make their own factories that make this, or they can wait. Or, like, they'll, they'll, they'll partner with a manufacturer and say, give us a better deal for the first five years of this tech. And so HP can use the same glass, but they have to pay more for it. Right. So and their so, products will be more expensive. So they have a bigger margin at the same price. Exactly. Like a $500 No, tablet. they have a bigger margin at a higher price because they're <laughs> Apple. So... Uh, but like the, those kind of plays, like <laughs> it, the big one this year is Sapphire. Like, is yeah, some the, kind the of the new Sapphire, Sapphire tech going to? 
I don't think it'll make things crack less when you drop your phone on the corner of a curb, but it may make your keys scratch it less in your pocket or sand or whatever. And sort of like, well, now that they've, since they have a quarter of a quadrillion dollars, they can just be like, yeah, we're just going to own Sapphire Tech now. And by the time anyone catches up, we'll be on to the next screen. Yeah, and they have done that before with other technology. So do you think, I, I always confuse, my, my high school civics teacher would be so depressed to hear me confuse these, but I always confuse horizontal integration and vertical integration, which is the one where you own the tracks and the train and the cargo on the train. It's vertical. That's vertical? Okay, so do you think that's just... The whole stack. <laughs> yeah, so do you think they're just going to... That's Oh, that's the right way to remember it right there. <laughs> so you should be a high school teacher. So do you think they're going to just more and more go into that so they're like we own the technology we own the factories that make the technology we own the delivery but they company don't exactly own the, the factories because they don't want to own a glass factory that's obsolete in five years they want to pay for exclusive access and sometimes they'll even pay a company an exorbitant amount of money to set it's sort of like yeah, set your factory up in a way that benefits us. apple is scaled like normally if you're a small player which in this market htc could be considered a smaller player <laughs> um htc can't go to a factory in china and say even though we're the only company that wants this will you make this right because they're like well we have to build new machines we have to set up whole new lines apple is big enough to be a single justification for an entire factory's existence yeah so it's they kind of have like um in in the supply chain it sounds like they almost have like a celebrity status so it's like Oh, well, there's a 30-minute wait for a table. Oh, oh, it's Apple? Oh, no, you can be seated right away. Yeah. We'll seat you right now. (laughs) We'll stop cooking these other people's foods and cook your food. Yeah, and, I mean, they have enough sway that, like, I know they want to get out of giving Samsung billions of dollars to manufacture things. Probably. But both of them benefit hugely from this, and I'm sure as much as Samsung probably hates Apple for all the lawsuit crap and all the other ways they compete, that Samsung's like... Crap! If Apple stops being a customer of ours, that's a lot of money. We lose. a lot of money. Yeah, and I mean they they've been kind of pissing off Google, so more and more Google's probably going to use other companies for their reference hardware. Yeah, and like kind of steer business their way. So I think what we're talking about now is Apple's biggest strength. That isn't that isn't just they make sexy products that are sold at high prices. It's their command of supply and manufacturing is you know we can talk about their weaknesses there are many but their (laughs) strength is that whole machine is so amazingly tuned so that that sounds pretty scalable like we talked about microsoft can't stay the course sounds like apple kind of can yeah like they for at least for the short term it's a huge reason they can charge higher prices or charge similar prices but make more money yeah with a way higher profit margin (laughs) Yeah, I think um, was it the 5s? One of their more recent devices, either the iPhone or the iPad, like uh, iFixit, did a teardown. They're like, yeah, it's really nothing new in there. So now that they have the supply chain down, they're just making like triple profit on yeah. every device. <laughs> well, the 5c is basically the iPhone 5 with plastic. Oh, it was it was probably the 5c. Yeah, so it's like cheaper parts and same price and yeah. People are still like well, they, shut up and yeah, take my they money. Use, with all their little devices. Like the 
the Apple TV has, just has like an A5 in it. So it's like the yeah. three-year-old iPhone processor is sitting in the $99 box. Yeah, hardware snobs look at the Apple TV and they're like, oh. <laughs> like, what did you stream Netflix? Shut up. <laughs> it's the Netflix box. Like every other box. Every box streams Netflix. So I think Apple's okay for the near future. It's, it's more the, the paradigm shifts. Will they be able to make... You know, like they they made the leap to the smartphone era amazingly. I mean, they defined it, even if <laughs> like them yeah. and Google defined it, and they made that transition. And you know, now the iPhone is the biggest source of profit. Oh yes, I guess that's and so. The, it's will they make the next leap? Is what everyone yeah, wonders. Yeah, I guess that's the part about Apple that I'm always shaky on. Is like if the iPhone went away for like if for Microsoft, if Windows went away, like that would be really hard but they could probably survive as a company if if uh apple lost the iphone that'd be it they'd fold like overnight i mean even with all their money in the bank if if (laughs) iphone sales went to zero which i know wouldn't happen (laughs) obviously but i mean if iphone sales went to zero if it turns out iphones caused cancer and everybody just stopped buying them immediately but i think it is kind of like a windows situation where apple can probably coast a while well, certainly. And, yeah, decay like we've seen Microsoft decay. Like, yeah. As far as but importance. They have a... They rely on their, like, panache and reputation and their swagger. So if they go into coast mode, that's way more damaging. People look at Microsoft and they're like, yeah, Microsoft's just coasting on Office and the Xbox but that's because that's all they expect from Microsoft. So they can come from behind and be like, boom, amazing product yeah. or service. With Apple, it's like, where's my amazing product or service? <laughs> and then if they don't turn it out, it's like, Apple is doomed. <laughs> People expect a new like iPad level yeah, thing every, every year. Yeah, so that's... It's like, do you realize that between the iPhone and the iPad was three years? That's hard. I mean, this is why baseball players don't ever talk to the pitcher if he's on his way to pitching a perfect game. Like, I mean, baseball players are a really suspicious lot, but it's like, statistically, how many lottery tickets can you buy that are winners in a row? Apple seems to be doing okay. So yeah, Apple always has to be able to make that argument that the more money is worth it, and my voice keeps cracking today, but... You're so excited. We charge a premium. I mean, in the U.S., it's masked a little bit because you get a $200 phone on contract. You don't really think about it. But I know in Europe, where you don't buy things on contract like that much, the iPhone is a little more expensive. It is, yeah. Um, So it matters there. So for Google, I think it's sort of like, yeah, for Apple, they need to keep that premium feel that people justify themselves spending more on. For Google, I think it still comes down to the core of, like, do people use Google services? Do they search with Google? Yes. Like, that's sort of their their holy grail of, like, it's still search behind everything or... That's their their technology. Yeah, and people, I've I've heard arguments that that's not that crucial, but there have been a couple Google services that launched with like mediocre search on day one, and everyone, myself included, is like, "You're Google. Yeah, what do you mean I can't search it? Like, I I'm expecting it to read my freaking thoughts. Like, there needs to be a search box. It needs to mm-hmm. search through titles and content. It needs to identify the the objects in pictures. If I have a huge photo library where all the photos are just named jpeg.jpeg and I go and I type in orange, it had better find every picture that has the color orange, that has me holding oranges, that has people talking yeah. about oranges in them because it can read their lips. Like, 
I expect that from Google. And so the only like the argument I've seen, and I don't know that this person actually thought it, things would go this way, but can you imagine a future where? So you even see it with like Apple Siri. Like when you ask Siri something, it mostly goes to specialized services that interpret your response. Like it'll yes. go to Wolfram, Wolfram Alpha, Alpha. It'll go to and like. Could there be a future where the the querier maybe that is Google Spot um, in the stack where no one searches through Google because their thing just goes straight to other services? Hmm. Sort of the appification of querying yeah. or searching, and like that could maybe there was a time where that could have threatened Google and mobile. I mean, that was sort of the whole thing with mobile was. Like, people are just using apps. They don't need to go search the internet. Right. Not true on Android, because search is so fundamentally part of Android and Google Now and all of that. It is. And it gives you something you don't get on on Apple uh, devices or on Windows devices or probably on Blackberries. But uh, maybe it does. But Who <laughs> <laughs> if you're into that? <laughs> but, I mean, the fact that I can take out my phone and just shout words at it and then it returns not kind of what I was looking for, not like a list of relevant things, the thing I was looking for. Like, yeah. I can ask my phone questions. Like, I could take it out, unlock it, and just say, okay, Google, how tall is Barack Obama? And it will tell me how tall he is. And then I can say, how tall is his wife? And it knows, oh, the pronoun he is referring to Barack Obama, the last person you searched about, just like you would do in conversation. Mm-hmm. And... I know that's more IBM than Apple. That's more like crazy engineering behind the scenes. But for me, like that is where the money is because. Well, that's their big play at staying relevant when the search box may fade a little bit. Right. Search will be underlying everything. Yeah. And so that seems to be their, their biggest coastable success Yeah, is search and just sort of bringing the thing you wanted to you. Yes. And, well, and that that's awesome. Like anybody <laughs> who uses Google Drive, you might not realize that when it searches, like if you type it in the search box, it searches the title of files, it searches the content of files, and when I say the content of files, I mean if you have an image with a sign in it, it OCRs the words. Like that's awesome. Yeah. Like that's 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 as close as you can get to telling a person go to the filing cabinet and bring me back the picture of me holding the happy birthday banner for my mom, you know? Because like Bing can't do that. Like Yeah. You know, web crawler isn't going to OCR every image you put into it. Like that's serious tech. So is Google going to get us to the Wally future? Oh. <laughs> I hope along the way some or kind of be, low calorie food stuff becomes popular. Will there be enough uh, bicycle of the mind stuff too? Bicycle of the mind. So that's <laughs> something Jobs said about computers. That computers are a bicycle for the mind. So fundamentally, they're they're still tools for humans to do things. Ah, I see. But they're they're enablers and and strengtheners and augmenters. But it wasn't just a Technology is there to let you become the Wally future of fat, and everything's just brought to you and yeah. solved. But that you are enabled to do things you want to do with them. I so in this way, then I would say Google is like a fork because 
you can reach out with the fork of Google and come back with some healthy salad, or you can come back with a fried Twinkie. Because Google doesn't... People are going to go for the Twinkie. They are. But I mean, like, I, I wouldn't say Google's at fault. Because, like, they don't care what you reach out and get, but they're awesome at getting stuff when you reach out. <laughs> now, that being said, there are some <clears throat> there are some algorithmic things Google has done that do... They at least try to minimize like content farms. So when you reach out into the the internet, you get back like reputable sources, not crap loaded with ads and and loaded with pop ups and all kinds of garbage. Like they try really hard to at least push your hand toward the salad. <laughs> and they're like, well, if you really want the garbage, like it's here. The Twinkies right next to the salad, but maybe go for the salad. So they're, I know they have to walk a fine line of not being like curators, but everyone pretty universally agrees. Like we don't want spam in our inbox, Google. I trust yeah. you to well, judge I mean, what the Google spam now, is. The whole movement of Google now is a curation movement of now that you've let us know a lot about you, let us try to figure out smart things to do with that. Yeah, but wouldn't you say curation's different if it's like here's my stuff, curate useful knowledge out of my stuff versus a search query? Like everybody was talks about like the ten blue links when Google was new, so it's like I if I ask Google a question directly of the internet, I want it to give me back the most accurate result on the internet, not But won't they don't you think they'll start trying to bring you results based on what they know about you and not just about yeah, what... Yeah, they, it- they do now. And you can actually turn that off. It's called personalized results, I think. But it's clear. So there's a clear delineation. Like if I search for, I don't know, a Verge article, well, I follow The Verge on Google+, and I also... People share a lot of their stuff. So if I had already plus one that article that somebody shared in my stream, it'll show me... Like, here's the thing. But it's super obvious. Like, here's that post from your stream, that you plus one. That's why we surfaced this, because it also matches your search query. But it'll also give me the direct link to the article, because that also matches my search query. So as long as they keep that kind of bound, I mean, to be honest, as long as I say, Google, knowledge, and it... (laughs) And it goes, here you go. This is the Jim Gaffigan fast food order. Yes. It's like, ugh, and then you get a Big Mac. <laughs> exactly. So as long as they stay on the right side of that, I probably would not really care. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as I put my hand into the internet and come out bag of holding style with the thing that I yeah. wanted, then, you know, whatever. I got what I wanted. Fat Wally future. Yeah. I mean, I guess the same threat to Google is to... Microsoft is the 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 glue of their services and the whole wide variety of stuff that people get accustomed and start to rely on to do things in their life. Right. I want to go somewhere. How do I get there? Google gets you there. Yeah. How do I what how do I use a Presta valve, Presta pump <laughs> to use on a Schrader valve on my bike? Like Yeah. Google Help me out. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Give me a YouTube video with 10 minutes of yeah. introduction. <laughs> and so there's always possibility in some paradigm shift that some other company emerges. And it's not. It's never like does the same things and does it well. It's right. always like this angle no one was thinking about comes in. Yeah. 
And that's, I mean, that you, you said it about Microsoft. Like, you don't want to see Microsoft drummed out of the consumer market because we need competition to make these other people better. So it's not that I don't, I mean, I love Google. I don't want them to go away. I love my MacBook Air. I don't want Apple to go away as long as they keep making cool stuff like this. But it's, I want someone to keep making cool stuff. So <laughs> if somebody came in, like if Bing tomorrow unveiled like the Turing complete algorithm that <laughs> does everything a thousand times better and faster than Google could ever do it, then I will switch to Bing because my loyalty is to the thing that works the best, yeah. not to a specific brand. I mean, I totally. I hate sometimes when people see that I have a MacBook Air because they're like, oh, you're a Mac person. And I'm like, no, this is no question the best hardware on the market for my needs. Like, no question. And I mean, I'm lucky that it was provided by my work because it's ridiculously expensive. But there's just, it's the best. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. there's just no debate. It's like weight and battery life and construction and the trackpad and the keyboard experience and the screen, like, hands down. And if I really wanted to, I could install Linux or Windows on here. So I'm not even boxed into OS 10, which I don't care about since I live in a web browser anyway. Yeah. But. Just like my Android phone, like iPhones are fine, but for my needs, I feel like an Android phone is no question the market leader. If it was Windows Phone, I would switch. If it was BlackBerry, I still wouldn't use a BlackBerry <laughs> because I have standards. <laughs> well, I think we've we've gone quite far. I feel like there's a lot more we could say about this. Maybe we'll come back to it. But well, luckily, this topic has no end. <laughs> yes. Because it's about the future, and that can go on forever. <laughs> That's right. So I, I'm going to. I, I didn't think up anything during our conversation because it was far too engaging. But I'm going to find some terrible thing you have to do. Yes, since do you made that. me play. Or if you're a listener and you made it through this episode and you have a <laughs> suggestion of what Mike has to do. Yes. And um, keeping in mind that the thing he made me do was play an hour of Metroid Other M. Just. Don't make it cost me more than five bucks if it has to cost anything at all. Yeah, that's fair. He did loan me the game. I already have a Wii, so it's not... I just lost an hour of my time. The only other follow-up other than trying to torture me with something (laughs) is uh, what do you think could dislodge Google or Apple or Or Microsoft? Microsoft. Or BlackBerry. (laughs) Man, they're getting ripped on a lot. I don't know why I have so much BlackBerry (laughs) today. (laughs) Blackboard... Blackboard? <laughs> did Blackberry uh, kill your parents or something? Uh, they did not. But if they did, I would become a Blackberry-themed superhero. <laughs> Blackberry man? That's right. Be like Pie Man from The Simpsons. So, Mike, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at pseudomichael.com or on Twitter at mEdwardsMusic. How about you? People can find me at Lions in Beta on Twitter, lionsinbeta.com, or plus David Lions on Google+. And what about these beautiful show notes? So for the show notes, head to flippingtablespodcast.com slash 022. Leave comments, share it out, tell other people, do all that good stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm gonna, as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to check out this Devil's Third trailer from, from Team Ninja. Yeah. Because part of me is like, oh, maybe it'll be so much fun looking that it'll be worth playing. But then there's the other part of me that's like, no, you need to be an adult and not support yeah, we can the 12-year-olds. Yeah, so that I'm, I'm excited to see if I can regress to my 12-year-old self and appreciate it, or if I'm going to be like, no, nah, no. Nope, it looks pretty dude bro Ugh. as far as Team Ninja goes. All right, well, we'll check it out, and then we can rag on it next week. All right. <laughs> <laughs>